This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth Admission. After Mayor London Breed's picks for the city's police commission were thwarted by the Board of Supervisors, she asked her good friend Malia Cohen to join the commission instead. Cohen is joining me today after saying yes and being sworn in to the commission on Monday. She'd like to see changes in the SFPD, including not having officers respond to traffic stops and mental health calls. Life for Cohen is busy on the personal front, too. Her first baby, a girl, is due today. Malia Cohen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Heather. It's good to be able to speak to you and and speak to your listeners. Definitely. Well, congratulations on your appointment to the San Francisco Police Commission. Thank you. What are your top priorities as a police commissioner? Hmm, there's a couple things. You know, when I was on the Board of Supervisors, I started a lot of initiatives, right? We started the Department of Police Accountability. Um, and one of the key functions of DPA is to have an audit. Ironically, what has it taken four years, but finally we ha- there's an audit that has been done, that's been conducted. I just got some preliminary summary reports of what the what's inside the audit, but I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in on where we are, getting an assessment on where we are within Mm -hmm. the police department and uh, how we move forward. Another thing that I'm interested in working on is there's a um, like a red flag warning system that's internal uh, within the department that identifies officers that may be traveling down a a problematic path Mm -hmm. um, that may possibly need to take some new uh, retrain when it comes to bias. or unbiased consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- those those are two key things that I think are important. The collection of um, data, still stops and searches are still happening um, at a high rate for African-American and Latinos, uh, understanding a little bit more that dynamic. Uh, so there, there, are, there are several things to do. I probably will not, <laughs> there's, there's more things that need to get done yeah. than time to do it in. Exactly. Oh, and, and not to mention the 272 um, recommendations from the DOJ, if you think about it, that we have uh, only a fraction um, have we scratched the surface on implementing. I think, what is it, like 15%? Is that what mm. it is, Heather? I'm not sure. Yeah, but I know it, it's, it's not very much. It's not very much. So so um, I'm excited about uh, being able to, um, to kind of be a liaison between mm-hmm. the local county and then the state. Mm-hmm. The state passed some police reform measures uh, in this last session a couple days ago. They just finished their session, but there's still a lot of room that's on the table that needs to that need that we need to address. Mm-hmm. I know that you have talked about the importance of removing police officers from the equation when it comes to traffic stops and um, mm-hmm. for mental health calls. Mm-hmm. I believe the mayor's on the same page. How would you like to see those work instead? And what would happen, you know, when somebody's driving erratically or when somebody's having a mental health crisis in your in your mind, I think it's really important to note that we're, we're not looking to, uh, I'm not coming to the table to abolish a system. I am looking to revamp, re envision what that looks like. And part of that re envisionment does include changing the way, changing our thinking, almost a cultural shift as a city, as well as a police department and how we are serving people. And one of the things that I recall when, during my time on the Board of Supervisors was there is a difference between a warrior mentality and 
kind of guardian mentality. Mm. And I would like to see SFPD really begin to embrace fully um, everyone. Now, there are some folks in there that are have a guardianship me mentality, but instead of coming to a situation, hostels, barking orders, um, guns drawn, uh, rubber bullets ready to to fire out tasers, you know, kind of yeah. in hand. Uh, I'm I, I want people to be able to de-escalate. I want to see um, that level of training, mm -hmm. um, and every on every level. Would you like to see officers still responsible for those instances, or would you like to have social workers or some entirely different type of well, profession it, deal with them? When we're dealing with the homelessness, I think that uh, perhaps it's maybe maybe uh, a social worker that will respond first, or a department, a public health worker, or a member of the hot team um, that would respond first. And if they're able to assess the situation and they think they can handle it, so be it. But if they need backup and or that there is some kind of a violation of a law and that they do need law enforcement, then perhaps law enforcement would be able to make themselves available and, and respond. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that that's really um, a, a difference that um, that uh, San Francisco would benefit from. You won't mm -hmm. see, think about Luis Gangora, remember the homeless mm -hmm. man a couple of years ago right. that was shot and killed, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we were able to have mental health workers respond accordingly, just like we wouldn't send uh, you and I to a fire. Yeah. We that would not be a good respond, idea. Right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so we need to respect people's training and um, keep them in their lane so that they are safe as well mm -hmm. as San Franciscans are safe. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of talk lately about how many officers the SFPD needs. Um, some people say more, some people say less. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, that's an ongoing question. Um, you know what, I would I would welcome a, uh, a little bit of a study to begin to help us shape how we would figure out, you know, I mean, the numbers that are written in the charter, uh, was it 1975, I think, if something like that, uh, 1,975 officers is written in the, into the charter. I, I, I don't know if that's dated or not dated. Um, this was a discussion um, but in the happening years, I believe that we need to we need to refresh. So I would love to study if there's some kind of a nexus study or study some kind of a, um, um, a way to begin to be thoughtful about our approach instead of being political, instead of being arbitrary, but being a little bit more analytical on how we determine where we need officers. Um, I remember there was a period of time that officers there was more officers on the street on a Wednesday as opposed to on a Friday on the weekend. Why? Because historically checks city checks uh, officers collected their checks on Wednesdays. So, I mean, there's some cultural things that have existed within the department for many years just because that's how they've always done it. Mm -hmm. and I'm not a, that type of girl. I'm not <laughs> going to do something just because that's the way we've always done it. I mean, it needs to make sense. There needs to be some logic behind it. Yeah. This country is having a major reckoning right now in the way um, police interact with people, especially African-Americans. And we just keep hearing more and more horrific stories. Yeah. The most recent, which uh, Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back in Wisconsin just about a week or two ago and is now paralyzed. And, you know, they just keep happening more and more. And when you hear about these shootings, I was wondering, you know, what is your reaction um, and how do you feel when these stories keep piling up and it doesn't seem like anything changes? Well, you know, my first reaction really is a um, heartfelt reaction as an African-American woman feeling the community, my people, my brothers, my sisters constantly under attack. Mm -hmm. So it's a personal um, reaction and pain yeah. that 
feel and disappointment. And then the next emotion is anger. Like how many people need to be shot and killed? How many times do we need to see the scenario? Mm -hmm. How much, I mean, you know, now we've got technology. Now we have footage. Now we have other people that are in that are watching um, and able to tell the story uh, as well how many, what does it take to make some changes? And I think that there are a lot of laws that are on the books that have been, that have benefited law enforcement and protecting them and allowing rogue officers to act without impunity, act and carry themselves above the law. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be, that needs to be, that needs to be squelched. Yeah. We just need to have a zero tolerance on it. Um, this particular movement is, is touching um, also from an emotional place uh, to see so many people aware, awake, marching, young mm -hmm. people, old people, um, you know, across class divide, across ethnic divide and religion, just coming together saying enough is enough. Mm -hmm. It's incredible that even though the whole country is so focused on this issue right now, police are still killing black people in the streets, incredible. you know, like they should be on their best behavior, you would think. You would think, I would, you, you would think, I would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think the protests will lead to real change or where do you think we go from here? Yes, I do think that real change, real change is slow and uh, change is slow, period. Um, you know, we, we're going to have to wait for some people to pass on and transition off this earth. We're going to have to wait for some, <laughs> we are, we're going to have to wait for some people to grow a backbone. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to wait for, um, you know, um, more like-minded electorate to wake up and start to vote people with the, the uh, better people into office. I mean, it's so um, problematic on many different levels. I mean, you, you know, you, you think about that Trump could actually get reelected when you look at some of these polling numbers, right? And the, the so, the, how he's sowing seeds of discord and hate, and he's, um, he's got tapping into people's fear and people are gonna vote out of that fearful place. People fear black people. Yeah, people fear Latinos and immigrants, mm -hmm. and it's that fear that they're gonna that that they're gonna be that place of fear that they're gonna vote from that is against their interest. So there are there are a lot of um, moving forces that we are up against, but I also want to recognize that there are forces that are moving us forward. Think about Prop 16, um, the whole discussion about um, affirmative action on the ballot mm -hmm. um, in January when it was introduced by Dr. Shirley Weber, there was no appetite for it. Um, George Floyd was uh, killed and now it's on the ballot and, and, you know, quite possibly can pass. So mm -hmm. there is definitely some added benefit. Prop 17, restoring the right to vote for those that are formerly incarcerated, just as critical. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's happening, but it's going to be slow. It's not going to be immediate. Yeah. Um, and you became very interested in police reform and really started speaking out about it a lot as a member of the Board of Supervisors when Mario Woods was killed by San Francisco police in 2015. Can you kind of recall that um, incident and why it really spurred you to take um, a, a leadership role in this arena? You know, it was interesting because it was in December and I remember um, the police chief gave me a call and said there's been an officer involved shooting and the baby and he was kind of going down the facts. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting off the phone call, but it wasn't until I got home when I actually saw the footage. And what I saw on television and how I was briefed seemed like two very different mm. incidents. Mm -hmm. And um, so on a personal note, I grew up here in San Francisco and Mario Woods' mother grew up with my older first cousins, mm. my mother's mm -hmm. cousins. They're my, they're my second cousins. Mm -hmm. And um, she 
her her tears were always so silent and just I could just feel her pain and her frustration. I had many conversations with her and um, also at this point I was a better supervisor. I knew what to do. I knew how to, I knew, I knew the budget. I, um, I was already reelected. I was just not afraid mm -hmm. and was able to ask and push and be aggressive and be mm -hmm. unapologetic and was able to make these changes that you saw that created Department of Police Accountability that worked with Susie Loftus and Julius Terman. Uh, those were the vice president and president of the police commission at the time to get mm -hmm. rid of the carotid restraint. Um, uh, but recognizing that there was another uh, profound shooting that I lived through uh, in 2011 or 12, I can't remember exactly. Uh, Mayor Lee and I were on Third Street and it was a shooting. Do you remember, uh, I can't think of the victim's name, but he was on Muni. He was uh, basically how, was evading toll mm. and the police were trying to get, I guess, detain him. And they shot him on Third Street around Third and Palu, right wow. around the office. Yeah, that rings a bell. And, um, and that was like my first really high profile. And I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't even know what services to really provide for the family. So subsequently, all these years, all those years later, five, mm -hmm. six years later, enough officer-involved shootings, enough town hall meetings, I began to get, get wise and mm -hmm. just wake up. Yeah. And um, ask, the, that, ask the questions, questions that I would ask that if one of my loved ones were shot and killed by the police department, mm -hmm. I, you know, and the, the one that always stuck with me is like, how can the police department investigate themselves? Right. Who can do, who, what entity does that, I mean, you know, it doesn't happen. And I just, and I really worked to change that. And um, the audit function is important because I want to know where their money is being spent, mm -hmm. how it's being spent. So here we are. Now I've been sworn in as a commis police commissioner on Monday by uh, Mayor Breed, and I'm delighted to serve, but I do think that I have a unique skill set that few commissioners actually have. I've chaired the budget. Mm -hmm. I've chaired um, the uh, rules committee. I have chaired the budget and oversight committee. Mm -hmm. So I'm very proficient in understanding the city structural function and how things move. Mm -hmm. I understand the politics and the political dynamics. I understand African-American community, LGBT, um, the uh, Latino community, the intersectionality of all three of those communities, mm -hmm. coupled and layered with the um, tension between the African-American and the Asian-American community, um, the vulnerability that seniors feel when they're mm -hmm. walking down the street. All of this is all wrapped up in me. Now I'm a statewide elected official and um, also being able to connect these state reforms that are being discussed um, and, and, and working with um, Governor Gavin Newsom, mm -hmm. who was the mayor of San Francisco, who I was his field organizer on his campaign for District 10 back in 2003. <laughs> so really, it's a it's all come really, full circle. Um, yeah, it's come full circle. And I love the work. That's I great. believe in it. I mm -hmm. believe in fairness and justice mm -hmm. and um, have been... You know, you know, you, you, your paper has reported my tenuous relationship with the POA, <laughs> different versions of the leadership. Um, I got to say, like right now, that Tony Montoya has been um, uh, been collegial, and we've had great conversations, and I mm -hmm. look forward to continuing to build and work in that direction. But this is the, these changes that we're talking about are systemic. Not only does it rest within the POA, and the POA needs to wake up, mm -hmm. and they are waking up. They are starting to change. They realizing um, that they cannot operate in the same capacity that they have been operating. But this is, um, I also worked with George Gascon to create an IIB over at the, um, the district attorney's office. Mm -hmm. So that there is a unit of lawyers that are prepared to put together these cases and prosecute uh, officers that are, are um, found to be 
guilty or that there's compelling evidence that they should be let go. Mm -hmm. um, working with the uh, public defender, I've had Jeff Adachi support for years over the uh, in the past, mm -hmm. and enjoy the current public defender Manu Raju um, support as well, mm -hmm. as well as the advocates. You think about Felicia. Mm -hmm. Jones, you think about Eddie Zhang. I mean, like there are really key pockets of advocacy. Um, Angela, I think about um, the Lawyers uh, Committee on Civil Rights, um, um, Julie Tron. I mean, there is this, there's just so many people that I've worked with that I've interfaced with now. Now, collectively, we're coming back together and I'm really excited about San Francisco uh, and, and what we can do. I'll be right back with Malia Cohen. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. I'm back with Malia Cohen, San Francisco's newest police commissioner. Um, and you have a lot going on professionally and personally, including um, your first baby is due tomorrow. So I'm yep. very honored you made time. <laughs> yes, I'm for trying me. to take her, take her of all the business before she gets here. Yeah. 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 My expected due date is tomorrow. <laughs> so how did you decide to take on such a big new role with, with a baby on the way as well? Now, that is a very good question. <laughs> and... Um, it, I did not come to it lightly. As a matter of fact, I was originally approached by the mayor in early July for consideration to serve on the police commission. And this came out of a discussion that she and I were having because I was um, counseling her and her staff about the type of person, the profile that they should be selecting mm -hmm. for the police commission. And um, this was right after um, Nancy Tung mm -hmm. and uh, Jeff, I can't think of Jeff's last name, were rejected by, by the rules committee. And I was just saying criteria and things that the people that, that her staff needed to look for. Mm -hmm. And she, and then she came, then she called me back. She said, well, how about we nominate you? And I was like, shocked. I was like, <laughs> uh, I wasn't advocating for the job in any way. Uh -huh. um, now, also keep in mind that this is in the middle of the summer where there's protests, mm -hmm. um, COVID-19, right COVID the pandemic. And um, so I'm home and I'm working and I'm in my second trimester turning into my third. And I, and I was talking to my husband. I'm like, how am I, how are we going to do all this? I, you know, I don't have the answer, Heather. I don't know. And I guess I'm not going <laughs> to do it all, but I am going to, I am going to do my best at yeah. all times, but watching the protests and I couldn't participate in the protests because, you know, it was just really dangerous. Yeah. The tear gas, the, you know, the pushing, the running, the masking, all of that. So I didn't participate. And I just decided that maybe this is my calling. This is for me to step up and serve in San Francisco in this capacity. Mm. But I was not looking for the job at all. Yeah. I was actually more interested in serving on the um, statewide police reform oh. um, commission that the governor was putting together. But I, you know, he didn't call. Yeah. So uh, when the well, when came, your good friend the mayor calls, you probably have to say yes, I guess. <laughs> yes, you have to say yes. You know, speaking of good friend of the mayor, this is um, a question that Supervisor Ronan had asked uh, when I was in committee, and I think it's a really valid, valid one. She said, "Although you're going to be a mayoral appointee, will you be able to be independent?" 
And I answered that unequivocally, hell yes. Mm -hmm. I only know how to, to, to be when it comes to reforms and is to be under, uh, independent and thoughtful. And I said to her, I was like, well, you, you may recall even my time on the Board of Supervisors, she and I didn't see eye to eye when it came to law enforcement, um, to reforms, to the budget changes. Um, and so, you know, I pledge this publicly to anyone that's listening uh, but I will certainly be independent and be thoughtful about every action that we take at the police commission. In the end, I want a, uh, a force that is protecting and serving everyone, that people are not afraid to call the police and afraid of the outcome, and that law enforcement know that they, have the, that they will be supported, that they will have the resources that they need in order to um, fully execute their duties in this part. I'm just looking to, to work with people that want justice and fairness and, um, and will be, you know, thoughtful about it. And under the rules around city commissions, you'll have to decide whether to keep your police commission appointment or run for re-election to the Board of Equalization in 2022. That's and you're, right. you're not allowed to do both. Any idea which one you will pick? No, I haven't. I mean, you know, it's hard to, to make a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, very fluid. Uh, think about it. We never planned that Ed Lee was going to transition. We never planned that Kamala Harris was going to be selected to become vice presidential pick. So, so, so no, I really am taking this uh, a day by day. Um, but I do feel a sense of urgency to not squander time and to jump in and get, get some work done. Yeah. And a lot of people, including the Chronicle's own editorial board, have said that the Board of Equalization doesn't really need to exist any longer, that it's sort of outdated and should be Mm -hmm. abolished. And I wondered what you think of that after now serving on it for a while. Yeah, I think that that was a woefully undereducated position that the Chronicle editorial (laughs) board took. I am not on the editorial board, but just asking. Full disclosure, (laughs) no, 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 you're not. And actually, to say the truth, even now serving two years on it, I think it becomes even more relevant. And I would make the case that the Board of Equalization sets up and manages and, um, and, and, um, um, ensures the integrity of a $70 billion property tax mm. um, system. And it is property taxes is the second highest uh, revenue generator for local the local economy. And more so now than ever, it is becoming more relevant. Let me give you a few examples. These fires that are happening in the state of California, those are property tax dollars that pay for mm. fire suppression. When we're talking about um, the floods that will then happen in the wintertime, again, that's property damage that's dealing with uh, property taxes. Now we are at an incredible short fall, a deficit on a state budget, as well as here in San Francisco County budget, um, those property tax dollars need to come in in order for us to back, not even backfill, but to, 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 to begin to plan um, how, how city and state services are going to be administered. Taxpayers have the ability when they, are in a, when they disagree uh, with the assessor's assessment of their property value, there's a process. The, uh, we call it the AAB, the Assessment Appeals Board, that you can go before and you can be heard. Well, if the assessment appeals boards are closed and they're not taking hearings, um, what happens is, is that the assessor does not have the ability to challenge the property owner. And the way the law is written is, is that the property owner, their assessment of their property will, will be upheld. Mm-hmm. And that is a loss of money and revenue for the counties. And so counties, as you can imagine, losing money during this time of a pandemic is a, is a real big issue. Another big issue that's on the ballot is a split role initiative. Mm-hmm. 
everybody's talking about the split rule initiative, right? Yeah. That's the reassessment of property taxes. So I beg to differ that the Board of Equalization um, should not be in existence. I think more so now than ever, it is um, uh, apparent and, and, and there's a compelling argument that can be made. Now, I will acknowledge that the Board of Equalization in the recent past prior to when I got on the board behaved badly. Mm. And there was a lot of dysfunction. And so for people to question if the BOE should be around was a legitimate question. I mean, mm -hmm. if there was dysfunction, decisions weren't being made, um, executive directors were being displaced, there were there were audits where there was money that was um, misallocated. I mean, there was a, it was a mess. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. But in my first year, I was a chair and I really worked hard to clean up the, 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 uh, the image and to work on the transparency. Mm -hmm. This year, my second term, knowing that I was going to be having a baby, I stepped back and became uh, a member, but still leading from this member position. I would look, for, look forward to an opportunity to come back to the okay. editorial board <laughs> and petition them to reevaluate that position. Cool. Well, you have survived my serious questions, and now it's time for our lightning round. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Um, I would say Don Ramon's is one of my favorite Mexican mm -hmm. restaurants, period. Um, so not just a burrito, but also um, they saute shrimp mm. in, a, in a delicious red sauce, nice and spicy. That's one nice. of my favorite places. Yeah. I want to get a margarita. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is definitely the place to go for a margarita. Yes. yes. Don Ramon's, without a doubt. And if you have any time for reading these days, what was the last book you read? No, I haven't really read that much. <laughs> I tell you the truth. I mean, there were there was a a lot of my books that I have been reading were like birthing books. Yeah, Ina May. Yes, <laughs> Ina May Gaskin. Some classic stuff. Uh, everything you need to know when when expecting. Uh -huh. So the, the, that's the, honestly the last couple of things that I have that I have read. Yeah, um, I got I did get a new book um, as a, a baby shower gift called Breathe Mama. So I'm kind of looking forward to the mindfulness yeah. <laughs> that um, that is being encouraged as you enter into motherhood. <laughs> yes. You could probably appreciate that. Oh, yes. Mama too. <laughs> what was your first concert? Oh, my first concert was a Boys to Men concert. Oh, nice. That's um, awesome. Um, although we've come to the end of the road, it was <laughs> uh -huh, a concert. Uh -huh. And I went with best friends. I was so excited. I was like maybe sixth grade, seventh grade. I think I have been going into the seventh grade. And... Um, we had nosebleed seats, I tell you. <laughs> Some people don't divulge this, but I thought I would ask, have you selected your little girl's name? Oh, no, I haven't. That's oh, wow. actually That's something for your to-do list today. <laughs> I have, so I do have a list. Okay. Um, but my husband and I, we are not in agreement. And um, so we are kind of in the place where like, okay, we have a list of names. Uh, we will call the names when she gets here and mm. we'll see how she responds. <laughs> we'll look at her sweet little face and say, maybe this, maybe that. But uh, I don't have, uh, I don't have anything to report back other than, I mean, it's a little girl. That's yep. for sure. We know that. Very excited about that. Um, so, you know, who knows this time next week. You might know. <laughs> she may be here. Yeah. Cool. And a lot of people are leaving um, San Francisco during the pandemic, either temporarily or permanently. And I was wondering if you plan to raise your daughter here for the long term. Yeah, we, we plan to be here. And, um, you know, there are, you're right, a lot of people, one of which I have four sisters, but one has left. She just moved last week to Los Angeles. Uh, she works in tech and will be able to be working remotely. So she's also an artist too. So she went to go suck up that LA sun as well mm -hmm. as the artist scene. Sounds good. Yeah. What is um, the thing you most look forward to about the pandemic ending? What will you do that you're not allowed to do now? 
I think um, congregate and see friends, mm-hmm. um, eat at a restaurant. Yep. I, believe, I love to eat out. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think that that's probably the one thing that I miss, the socialization. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just not the same via Zoom. It's not no. the same. I had a drive-by baby shower. It's, oh. Just, oh, man. it's just not the same. No. I will be happy to never use Zoom again. <laughs> Yeah, um, Zoom, WebEx, WebEx. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate being in the comfort at home and handling business, but man. Enough is enough. Yeah. yeah. Last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Um, early in the morning, uh, exercise and uh, quiet time. <laughs> so my quiet time in, in usually is uh, prayer or meditation, just really f- getting centered and quiet mm-hmm. um, and uh, focusing on breathing. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I really appreciate you joining me today and best of luck with your new baby. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you to Malia Cohen for joining me today, to Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode, and to you for listening.